Hello, it's Alice Arnold here. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. We've got a really special guest for you this week. She is, well, a world-renowned opera singer, also has performed in lots of musical theatre, and I went up to her house in Highgate to meet her. She is Leslie Garrett. I am in the drawing room, well, music room, the music room of Leslie Garrett. This is the most beautiful room. It's got the most gorgeous wallpaper. <laughs> you like We're it? loving the wallpaper. It's, it's, it's got birds singing on it, which I sort of think is a... Well, kind of appropriate. And uh, gilded cages yes. <laughs> as well. So escaping bird wallpaper. And of course, it wouldn't be right to be your music room without a grand piano, a beautiful well, grand piano in the territory. In there. Well, it does. <laughs> Do you, you tinkle the ivories? I tinkle when the you... ivories now and yes, again. Yes. But it's better tinkled by other people better than I. Oh. So lots of rehearsing goes on in this room. And does it? Uh, and I've got very, very lovely neighbours. I was going to say how lucky for the yes, neighbours, My neighbour Jane is very, very understanding. Gosh. That's she encourages me, which is lovely. The, the price of the value of the neighbours' houses must have escalated oh. hugely since you moved in. You go, oh, about that. listen, you, down, you get a concert next door, most of <laughs> And then there's a very, um, very efficient-looking filing system in here. It says Mozart and um, Rogers, I presume. Is that Rogers and Hammerstein? Yeah. Yes. And, um, and Weber and, yeah. and all these Pacini. files with names on the, on the front. And some yeah. are alphabetical and some people Sondheim. big yeah. enough to have their own oh they their own off. file they're the ones both oh, used and but, i know what's in those <laughs> but anyway it looks very very organized Thank you. um you see we don't often go this high art for my podcast <laughs> i have art. to say Do you know, me a favor. it's normally yes, uh, right. musical theater but but this is about as high art as it gets, really, because, we, you know, you're a graduate of the Royal Academy and, well, you've performed all over the world. Yeah. Garrett, I've got America to South Korea, um, a member much. of the board of the English National Opera and a CBE. Of Thank course, you. yes. Uh, now, you are going to be performing in my patch of the woods yes. in West London. But yes. before we do that, uh, we're going to talk about sort of what you've, where you came from. What you've done. The humble beginnings. The humble beginnings, <laughs> which were your grandfather... Well, not that humble, because your grandfather was a classical pianist. So well, it was in the house. He was... Both my grandparents, uh, all my grandparents, I should say, both my grandfathers, but all my grandparents were musical. My grandmothers had wonderful voices, both of them. Very different. My grandma on my dad's side was quite operatic, uh, but just at the kitchen sink. Uh, but my uh, my grandma on my mum's side was very lyrical. She had a beautiful little lyrical voice. Uh, I can hear her doing the washing up and you know just you know singing to herself there was a lot of singing just in everyday life when I was a kid a lot of music in everyday life my granddad Garrett had a band called Arthur Garrett and the Blackout Boys which he formed obviously in the war and that kept going till god knows how long 1980 I think he could just pick up um, an instrument and play it he had that natural ability and my father had that ability as well Uh, but my granddad Wall was the the true musician in the family. He um, he was put to the piano, as we say in Yorkshire. He was <laughs> piano. actually uh, to piano. Aye. He was born into a, a family of, of miners. His dad was a collier. His brothers were in Sheffield, just outside Wath on Dern, and um, he couldn't go to the down the pit because he had asthma. He had a bad chest, so he was told he had to learn to play the piano because. Can you imagine this? In those days, the next best way of earning a living after mining was uh, music. There was so much music wow. in the in the community, um, and the, the steel industry was only just getting going. Uh, this was in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, 
my granddad was born. Uh, <clears throat> he was taught by his dad, who got a book out of the library, which is what everybody did. It, all my childhood is full of just, well, we'll get a book out of the library and see how you do that. <laughs> Nobody um, sort of... Um, so didn't have some fancy know, piano teacher come and put, put him no, through his scales and all of that. But he did turn out to have a fantastic talent. He got a job with an orchestra in Sheffield because there were, there were orchestras to get jobs with and he played for silent movies and composed. He composed all the music for the Well, of course, pictures. we had live music for the, for the films. Then. Yes. He, so that was another gig yes. that you couldn't get now. No, exactly. Yeah. He, he, uh, but you, it, it didn't... I always used to think silent movies came with scores but they didn't uh, the usually the pianist and the and the members of the orchestra wrote the music as they as, as they, they went, went along <laughs> yeah they had two hours on a friday afternoon when the new picture came in no. to create the score um he had some music published as well did my granddad but he um it was quite, it was uh, it was interesting because he used to give concerts as well at the w- weekends with the band. Um, he used to get uh, what he called cut down band parts from library, which were actually reduced scores, but everybody kn- knew them as cut down band parts. And he because the orchestra is about fifteen players, um, so not unlike a modern musicals orchestra. Mm. And he uh, he used to do all the great overtures from the operas and the instrumental music from from operas, suites, and so on. And so when I told him I'd got a scholarship to go to the Royal Academy. Um, and that I wanted to become an opera singer. Uh, he said, hey, lass, that's grand. I'm, I'm that proud of you. He said, um, I love opera, except for singing. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to convince him, which I think I'd managed to do before he passed away. Oh. And he did come and see me. At the so how academy. old were you when he when he passed away then? Well, it was, it was very poignant. Um, I'd got my very first uh, professional job at, in Wexford at the Wexford Festival in 1980 in uh, uh, and I was 25 uh, and I just uh, left the, uh, the National Opera Studio which I went to after the Royal Academy to do postgraduate work study and um, I f- it was um, it was the night before the opening night actually and I had had a dream about him uh, we'd just done the dress rehearsal and it had gone really well. And I phoned home. You had to do it from a phone box in those days, you know, with mm. lots of lots of tenpence pieces. And um, uh, I asked, I said, look, how's Grandad? Because I've just had a funny dream about him. And my dad, thankfully, answered the phone. He said, oh, he's fine. He said, don't you worry. Just get on that stage and make him proud. Um, and uh, and it went brilliantly well, this piece for me. In fact, my, the whole of the rest of my career started. It, my career started that night because uh, that piece was just written for me by Handel personally I felt Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd had the whole year at the National Opera Studio working on it so uh, it was good I had it well really well prepared ridiculously well prepared and it went fantastically well and uh, and it wasn't until I got home after after the fortnight's performances that my mum was actually literally waiting on the doorstep to tell me that he died that night after my dodgy dream (laughs) Uh, he died on my opening night my granddad on my actual opening Oh, well, night. he was obviously yeah. inspiring you while you were singing. <laughs> Absolutely. He was oh, with me. But so. he knew you had the job. Yeah. He knew you were on your way. He sort of hung which on. Is, yeah, which is nice to know, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Isn't it, I think. Now, as you said, uh, he didn't want to... Well, your, yeah, your grandfather didn't want to come to London, didn't want to leave the northern no. route. But you did. Yeah. <laughs> did, <laughs> you yeah. wanted to or you just you had to? Because wait. that's where I just the, wanted... Yeah. I came to London when I was a teenager with my auntie who treated me to a week in a posh hotel. I'd never been in a Ooh. hotel in my life. 
Uh, and I just completely fell in love with the West End. I just thought, I, I don't care if I've got to sweep the streets. I just have to be here. This is where I live. This is where I belong. I felt such a sense of belonging and of sort of ownership, I suppose, that I I was studying science subjects at school um, and I went home uh, and I remember I did My Fair Lady in the school hall because I, I lived for after school and we could get on with the next show, you know, yeah. I just lived for that. Even though I was fascinated by science. Science was my passion and still is. Uh, music was just, I don't know, it was just fundamental to me. It was like eating and drinking. It was just music. is has to be there. <laughs> it's, well, but music and, and, well, maths and music, yes. they notoriously go together. I was good at maths. They, that was my, yeah. best a, uh, my best O level, actually. So, uh, yeah, I, I was quite good at maths. But um, I just, after My Fair Lady, I went to see my headmistress and said, look, I don't think I should be doing all these sciences. I think I need to be doing music. And she said, well, we were waiting for you to come and tell us, dear. Yes, of course you should be, but you've got to wait till you tell us. So I, I quickly switched to music and um, auditioned for the Royal Academy and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, yeah. But when I got to the Academy, I was so unhappy because I was a complete fish out of water, um, really. Because uh, I just sang because I loved it. I didn't... I, um, I, I didn't really... I wasn't a professional. I was a very good amateur. I didn't have a professional mentality. Um, and I found that a lot of the students there did. They they were they were all chorals, had been choral scholars or they'd been in the National Youth Orchestra. So they came they, from different backgrounds. Yes, like they came more from... Musical, more strict musical yes, background, I yes. suppose. I, I just... It was just in my blood, but it wasn't in my brain, if you like. <laughs> or, you know. And I, I... It was all... I was very much done by um, intuition. My musical um, ability was very intuitive. I suppose it still is, really. I remember being in an, in a, um, an oral class, completely out of my depth, <clears throat> and um, the oral teacher, in exasperation, he was, he was trying to teach me the tonic sol fa, uh -huh. and, he's, and I, all I knew about that was, you know, what Judy... Yeah, yeah. Judy... <laughs> <laughs> Julie Andrews had taught me. Yes. Yeah. So, That's um, actually quite a good start for it. A uh, very good place to start. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, and uh, he just said, if I sing this, sing me, try and sing me the root of the chord. Okay, try and sing me the the dough of the chord. And I looked at him quizzically and he sang, so, and I sang, what? <laughs> so I just had no idea what he wanted me to do, but I did get the right note. I did sing the root of the chord. I did sing the dough. Because it was instinctive. But it was just instinctive, and that's how I sort of got by. But see, the thing is, presumably, if you're a very technical, you know, you can do all the studying, you can do all that, but if you haven't got the instinct, you can't find yes, I that. Suppose you can learn. Yeah, you can learn the brain bit of it. Well, you can I, I learn did. I the studying for six bit. years at the academy to catch up, and I did catch up, and I worked hard. And you did know, you like it eventually? Eventually, I loved it. I Good. did. I really loved it. Once I sort of found my my, my footing mm. and realised that just because somebody had a posh accent, you know, didn't mean they were superior. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I, you know, I had a big sort of inferiority complex to start with because I was this kid from you know a South Yorkshire coalfield. My family had all been miners and and you know railway workers my parents were railway workers um this is in thorn near doncaster where i was born uh we all lived in council housing and then my parents were very ambitious they actually taught me a huge amount about following your dream 
um, because they wanted to own their own home, which was unheard of, mm, mm-hmm. and they bought this little derelict, literally it was condemned, this, this two little cottages on the banks of a river just outside Thorn. And my dad used to walk back from his signal box and learn the trades from his mates on the building sites so he could actually put in mains drains and rewire and plaster and, you know, he did up the property. And my mum had, I mean, this interior design sense that you were kind of complimenting me on uh, comes from her I mean she was just so into colour and she was ahead of her of her, her time I remember she bought Urkel furniture before anybody had even heard of it you know? <laughs> which was amazing but they'd both decided they didn't want to work on the railways they wanted to become school teachers and my dad had to study in his signal box because he didn't have any qualifications and he managed to get his O-levels, A-levels, get to college because um, you could get good grants in those days. This was, uh, you know, in, in the 60s when um, when the Labour Party were in power mm-hmm. and all things were generously funded. Um, and uh, my dad became a headmaster and my mum head of music in a, sec- in a secondary school. So uh, so they showed, they showed me that if that you follow... You can you, do it. Yeah, if you want you something, can do it. you just you have can, to Yeah, that's a, that amazing story. Yeah, and that's feel, feel... all with, you know, <laughs> with a background of uncles and aunties and grandparents coming round for sing-alongs and, you know, yeah. picking up an instrument and getting a tune out of it. And, you know, do you know this one, Derek? You know, <laughs> my, dad had, my dad had a voice to rival Pavarotti. He and I used to sing all the big... The big huge duets from the big um, operas uh, just to see you know who could hold the top note on for the longest <laughs> he had a fantastic tenor voice so you've also done though um, musicals as well you yes. did the Mother Abbess Sound yes. of Music and um, Nettie Fowler and Carousel um, now okay which do you prefer opera or musical theatre oh I love them both I really do that's hard I think opera's more of a challenge and I do love a challenge but um, music theatre is just such fun and I do love a, I love a bit of fun so you know for different reasons I absolutely adore them both um, I couldn't give you an honest answer the happiest times of my life have been when I've been doing musicals I think when I, the sound of music when I played the Mother Abbess I could have stayed in that I think for the rest of my life I loved it so much I was so annoyed with myself that I only signed up for six months I thought I'd be going out of my head with boredom by then but on the contrary it's a different discipline you see it's a completely different way of working because opera singers I mean two nights of opera a week and that's a busy oh, week oh yeah, exactly I know and you're I done eight shows I'm not ever yeah. going to do eight shows but you get into this lovely rhythm with it and it, and, it, and the, your colleagues become your family and it's and you really get to know people well and it's just lovely it, it's it, it really is a very special time. Yeah, so I, I wish I'd done more music. That would be the difference, wouldn't it? Because <clears throat> opera, you, as you say, you know, two two shows. But you come in, you do your yes. your part, and you go yes. away, and and you probably don't re- interact that much with. Well, the, you with do, the, but it's just not quite. The, it's not, not the not same. Not in a family yes. level, like you yes. do with a theatre company, yes. where they are your life yes, for exactly. the time that you're doing the yes. show, and yes. nobody else matters at all. No, exactly. No. And I, I um, remember the kids would come down to the theatre and they'd hang out in my dressing room, and you know they'd get to know everybody as well, and. Uh, especially when I was at the Palladium. I loved being at the Palladium and I, I was in the Judy Garland suite and that was just fabulous. You know, they have proper dressing there rooms there. Some of the theatres don't, rooms. but yeah. they have proper ones at And the, the kids thought it was like having a little flat in town because yeah. I had, you know, a bed and a dress and a bathroom fridge. and a fridge and a little cooker and, you know, it was just lovely and they'd just come going down to mum's pad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in West One. Now, you presented a show on Sky Arts called... 20 operas to see before you die. Yes. Now, I'm going to confess, I'm not great at opera. 
What does that mean exactly, Alice? It means that I went to see one recently. What was it? Yeah, it was La Boheme. La Boheme, Went right. to see La Boheme yes. recently. And I, all open-minded, I thought, I'm a grown-up now. Yes. I need to learn to... Appreciate. Yes. <sighs> if, you do, if, you do, if you're not going to get... If you didn't get La Boheme, you're not going to get opera. Because that really is oh, the most God. accessible one of the lot. Oh, no. Yeah. No. I thought you were going to say, no, you need to start with this and then you need to present to that. Because, uh, you know, I love music. If you wanted to give it another go, I'd suggest Carmen. That's, that's Okay, a, a well, I'll know some of the tunes from Carmen. Yes, you'll know all the tunes yes. from Carmen. Okay. Um, I, yeah, Carmen will be will be my my starter for ten for any anybody who's right. not been before. What 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 didn't get you? What did you not like? The lyrics it? were silly, Leslie. They were really silly. Yeah. They, the the chorus all said the weather's terrible, isn't it? And then they refrain, yes, isn't it? And yes, okay. it's terrible, isn't it? Yes, it is, isn't it? And I thought. Well, no, they did. And I thought, in musical theatre, yeah. I love, I yeah. think they'd find a better way to say that. Yes, yes, OK. So I, well, it was are, mainly the lyrics. And, of course, yeah. they're up on the screen above you at the ENO, as well as they were singing, singing in English. English. And I thought, English. well, hang on a minute. Am yes. I looking that? Well, they're, they're singing in English. I ought to be able to understand them then. But yes, you should. But not everybody is as uh, has such good hearing. So, you know, we try to cater for, you know. I'm not doing well here with you, am I? No, you're all right. No, I'm, I'm just to... intrigued to know what didn't grab you about it. Because it wasn't the voices. They yeah. were beautiful. They yeah. were beautiful singers. And I loved some of the orchestration. So yeah. I thought that was lovely. Yes. I think it was... That's the, a very the... good play, you see. Mary May wrote the play, La La Wings. <clears throat> the, the operas, I think, that work the best are the ones with the really good uh, plays and the, the very good mm. libretti. Um, so yeah, and the storyline wasn't complicated. Mm. But at the, we'd, we'd known from the very beginning that the girl wasn't well. I don't want to know spoilers here, but, you know. <laughs> Spoiler alert! She wasn't well. She has a cough. She, she, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't well. Yeah. And then, <laughs> very near the end, when it was clear she really wasn't well at all the lead guy suddenly sang I think she's going to be fine yes yeah, so and then the next minute someone turned around and said no she's not what she said yeah no oh, that has spoiled it now you've sorry done it. I've done it now nobody knows but anyway in that, I mean I know <laughs> I did it here first <laughs> Come on. I am pre- prepared to suspend my yeah my disbelief but that pushed it just a stretch too far yeah. anyway no, I, 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 I respect mm, that mm. and I suppose you, we're not really comparing like with like in a way because I mean that opera was written at the end of the 19th century um, and we don't have any musicals from that period and I suspect if we did you'd find the same you'd that's, feel the same that's so a very good point so maybe you need point. to come to modern opera that's maybe a very you'd good point. be better with modern opera because modern opera has a liberty that are much more uh, well modern the the lyrics and the and the sensibility in fact um, I've been very involved with that recently because um, I had to add a little break from opera while I did the musicals and then I wanted to come back into it um, and I discovered um, through my friends at Opera North who helped me to um, to come back uh, with a fantastic opera which I think you would have liked by Poulenc it was written in the 1950s and um, it is a warm woman opera it's um, called La Voix Humaine the human voice we did it in English and it, I the soprano sings for 45 minutes by herself on the phone to a lover who has dumped her 
and who she thinks is ringing, she's expecting his call, it starts with her waiting for the call, and then uh, he, she thinks he's ringing to get back with her, and he's actually ringing to tell her he's going to marry somebody else. So by the end of the 45 minutes, she kills herself. So it's a fantastic... Oh, see, this sounds my sort of thing. I think that would be... I think it's just traditional opera that you're not into, and I can understand that, uh, because you clearly like modern pieces. Um so I started with that and then tried to find something, because that can be sung by any age person. Mm-hmm. Then I tried to find some more roles for older sopranos, good roles. Um, and there, there are none. There's just nothing really? that I could find. Because, um, I mean, there's the odd queen. Um, but, but nothing specifically written for women in their late 50s, early 60s, say. Um, so I started to bang the drum. Um as loud as I could because I made the point um, that if we want opera to be seen as a contemporary art form it's got to reflect contemporary society and older women are now running countries for goodness sake or trying to Uh, you know they're the care captains of industry they're running the IMF you know they're Mm. everywhere so we need to have these women represented in opera uh, in in powerful roles Uh, I mean there's there's a few older roles for mezzos um, who have lower voices yeah. um, but they're mostly bag ladies and witches to be honest and I just didn't want to be playing them I wanted to be playing you know Christine Lagarde or somebody you know yes, with the Chanel absolutely. suit yes. if you don't yes. mind so, <laughs> so since then in the last sort of five years uh, I've had four roles four or five roles written specifically for me and they've all been roles specifically for older women not necessarily glamorous. Wonderful piece I did for Opera North called Pleasure, written by Mark Simpson. Fantastic piece. I played a toilet attendant, but a very important toilet attendant. Fantastic but you see, those piece pieces will was. then provide a legacy that. for the next people. Well, that's what I, de- so, I decided at this part, part of my career. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I need to do. I need to get opera fit for the next lot. Um, so uh, we've uh, actually, we've just done a fantastic piece at ENO uh, called um, Jack the Ripper, um, the, la- the Women of Whitechapel, which you might have I heard about. Heard about. It, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was all about, the, it was all from the women's point of view. So the character of Jack didn't appear yeah. at all. She was just a motif in the in the orchestra. And we all, uh, it was great. It was all my old mates from when, when I was principal soprano there. And we had the best time uh, doing uh, the the, the uh, victims of the, of the Ripper. I played Catherine Eddowes, who was actually a very musical person. She used to write her own... Um, songs uh so that was very interesting to do but i think you would be better uh, aiming at the modern opera right Akhenaten, you would have loved Akhenaten. there's no lyrics in that at all uh, <laughs> just so this is going to be my next thing and i'm going to okay. go and find good modern I will new find, opera uh, yeah yeah and I that's what i'm going to go and see you. but After, you're doing yeah. lots of sort of campaigning work now because mm. you also you've spoken out about girls singing in choirs yeah yeah which is fantastic yeah but, because what's that bastion about you know it's got to be little boys all the time and let's, yeah. let's just cut off giving girls an opportunity exactly to do that yeah. So you've spoken out strongly about that. Well, I also think it's it's a bigger subject actually because I I I believe it's my theory, um, but I I think the fact that um, and we're talking really now chapel and um, uh, college choirs, chapel choirs, mm. and uh, in the in the great universities and also uh, the cathedral choirs have always traditionally been boys and men. Um, 
And I think there's a direct link between that fact and the fact that we've had very few female composers and very few female conductors. Um, and I, I think these things mm. are all connected. Yeah. And I don't for a minute want to uh, spoil that tradition. I think it's, it's a love, it's a beautiful sound, but you have to look at the fact that um, they did research at York University when they did a controlled trial with, with pre-pubescent boys and girls' voices and a panel of experts could could not tell the difference. They could they got it right fifty percent of the time, which is kind of which like is, guessing, yes, isn't it? Yeah. And and you, a, a young girl's voice, if trained correctly, because it's the training that makes that sound. It, they're not born singing like that. It's the training. Um, but you're so right. So many people's musical careers, yeah. start within within yeah. that genre. Yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, they, I were, so. they were choristers or whatever, yeah. or choral scholars, and that's how yeah. they managed to get their education or whatever. That's the thing and that it, the girls are missing out on because what mm-hmm. goes with those positions, both as as choristers and as lay clerks, is a fantastic education. They are all then entitled to a free education. They're, they're, they're yeah. within the school that's attached to the chapel, or, or which is attached to the university, or you know, or the uh, or the cathedral. So that's what girls are missing out on. And while I really do respect the tradition and want don't want to put boys off from doing it, somehow we have to find a way of making it fair. Somehow. Yeah. Well, good for you for campaigning, you know, for talking, speaking out about it, because also coming from you, that, you know, people hopefully will listen. <laughs> well, I never had that this, education. Um, I don't yeah. give anything to have had it. Yeah. You know, uh, but... So, Chiswick Proms. Yes. You're coming to Chiswick. Know, so and all I have to do is walk, literally, it's five minutes from my house. <gasps> and you thing. are going to be doing... Now, this is a kind of new thing. This is this... It's this, the first It's festival. the first one in Chiswick. The first Chiswick Festival. And I know yeah, they've I done one in the Isle of Wight. This is yeah. Mike Christie, who Mike Christie. was of, of G4. Fame, yes. and um, and you've sung with him, haven't uh, you? Many times, yes. and we, he's we, put it all together. He has. And we did you... a fantastic version of Montserrat Caballé and Freddie Mercury doing Barcelona years ago, and we've touted that round forever. <laughs> but I've done loads of concerts with them; they're great boys. And yeah. Mike is just a force of nature. He is. Yeah. He's, and so he's pushed the, all the. Yeah. He's got all this thing up and running, and there are kids' workshops and comedy workshops. There's a musical theatre yeah. night, which our very own Ruthie Henshaw will be doing. I know, but you are doing the big the big night the big, the, big, grand the finale, Sunday night Sunday night I land of hope and glory yes. last so what night are the proms you, yeah what are you doing last night proms in June I love it started to <laughs> mean to go on well the big finale uh, of, in fact half of the second half is going to be all that lovely stuff that we all know from the last night of the proms land of hope and glory you know Mike Rule, told me you Britannia, would sing Britannia Britannia so, you know, <laughs> yeah. even you that. like those yeah. Yeah, I, I, no I do I do I do I can sing to them it's a great excuse for everybody to join in and just have a good old sing you know everybody joins in and that's what I I just love it because I for me music begins and ends in the community it's where I learnt all my music and and I will you know the last concert I ever do will be something where there's community singing um, but we're also going to be going to uh, we're also going to be doing some lovely opera. I'm going to be doing some songs from the shows too. We're going to be oh, doing folk music, so it's going to be a right old mixture. There'll be something you know, literally for everybody. Because I I've got very eclectic taste. Love. Yeah. It's the way I was brought up. I mean, I've I, all my programs always reflect lots of different areas of music. I don't just stick to opera, although for me, opera is as 
it's as popular as anything else because uh, I just grew up with it. So we just all sang it all the time. But Chiswick will love that because Chiswick Chiswick likes a bit of everything. I was going to say that's why I think this will go down well because Chiswick's exactly like that. This lovely mixed community with lots yep. of different interests and backgrounds and yeah. So I think there should be something for everybody. Yeah. I we wish can't... I'd got a gospel choir. I'm slightly missing out on the gospel bit because oh. <laughs> I love oh. it's, it's yes. one of my last ambitions actually to sing with a gospel yeah. choir. We're oh, talking I've about got a wonderful song con- called "On Holy Ground" that I sing with. I recorded with a gospel choir once, and it was oh, it was just amazing. Well, don't tell us about because you're not going to be doing that. I'm not going to do that. No, you're not doing that. Next year I'll do that. Okay. You keep talking about oh, the last thing I'll ever do, but. <laughs> it's not going to happen for a long time, Miss. I mean, look at you. You look about <laughs> 25. Bless you. And you're buzzing with energy and, and oh, all of that. It. So, well, it you just know. keeps you young singing and performing and interacting with um, other people. It's the energy that music generates. And it's what why people come to these concerts. You know, if I don't go away buzzing from a concert that I've either performed in or attended, you know, then I want my money back. But I always go away buzzing <laughs> because, you know, music you love just it. does it for me. And, and for the vast majority of people in this country, we are a really musical nation, you know. And I just wish governments would realise this. I'm sorry, I'm ranting a bit. No rant. But, you know, Go we on, are. Rant. It's our in our DNA. We are a. I mean, when I travel around the world, I don't do that so much because I've made my career here so I can be at home with the kids. To be honest, in a nutshell, that's been my one career uh, defining thing. Um but when I do travel abroad, everybody respects the music that we make in this country more than anything else that we do. You know, they really do. And and we are, should be and are justly proud of our musical heritage. Um, Leslie, it's been so lovely to speak to someone with <laughs> such passion about what you do. Oh, thank it's you. It's just brilliant. I can't wait to... I, I was looking forward to these Chiswick Proms before. I'm looking forward to them doubly as much oh, now. Oh, I can't wait to it's see It's next there. Sunday. It's 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 the June the 9th. Yeah. Your yeah, night. They start It's 7th, 8th yeah. and 9th. Be, be there. there or be square. I will definitely be there. I can't wait. Thank you so thank you. much. Thank <laughs> That was me, Alice Arnold, chatting to the absolute star that is Leslie Garrett. I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, you can rate us, um, give us a review, give us five stars, go on. <laughs>